Hello, and thank you for listening to the Ask Girl podcast. My name is Elliot Reed. I am the founder of the Revitalized Clinic, where we've helped over 6,500 people become pain-free, mentally well, and physically fit. And I'm also the owner of www.blackhistory.school, where I'm bringing African history to life with our plug-in-and-play video-based curriculum that will be rolled out into schools across Kent in the near future, but as well as that, the comic book script which I'm working on, which is bringing our beautiful African heroes to life throughout history. Now, today I'm going to be speaking to you about the Meghan Markle uh, and Harry Windsor interview. And I'm gonna be covering my thoughts on this, lessons that I've learned, and most importantly, I'll be interested in hearing your thoughts. So let's start from the beginning. Now, my experiences of dating outside of my race have been fairly predictable. Give it enough time and someone is going to say something fairly inappropriate and quite possibly overtly offensive. In fact, if I were to pick a family to marry into, which I suspected would be more likely to offend me on a regular basis, with their sheltered perspective, rigid processes and isolated culture, it would probably be the royal family. So I have to admit, when people were shocked and emotionally moved by Meghan and Harry's interview on Oprah, I was shocked. How could people have experienced the, or how could people have expected them not to experience the turmoil they have experienced? How could the British public not have recognized the racialized language, the allusion to stereotypes, etc.? To me, it was obvious reading between the lines to understand true bigoted belief is common practice being a minority in the UK. So how, when the hardship of Meghan Markle's situation is so obvious, did people miss it? Once again, I wasn't shocked at all, unfortunately. Was this due to me becoming desensitized by my own experiences, so much so that I expected racism, classism, and bigoted attitudes, perhaps? And by speaking to a few people, I eventually realized that many of the offensive rhetoric which has been sent Meghan Markle's way has actually been missed by a lot of people. But on deeper exploration, I realized that Meghan and Harry's predicament is a perfect microcosm to display life as a black person in the UK. So let's go on to the royal family and the history of empire. Akala rightly said that racism or classism isn't something that is propagated from the bottom up. The class structure of the UK is very much propagated from the top down. To understand British class, race and its structure, we can gain valuable insight from the royal family and their family history over the years. Much of the British wealth was accrued, accrued from heavy taxation, slavery, and a type of hitman economics where the British would force the cost of goods down by the use of violence and then buy up the goods at a plummeted price. For more information, you can read Inglorious Empire by Shashi Dahoor for a greater insight as to how Britain did this to India during the British Raj, reducing its gross domestic produce from 23% to 2% over just a few hundred years. To put this into perspective, before the British Raj, uh, India was producing more goods than the entire entirety of Europe combined. And after the British Raj that fell to, or during the British Raj that fell to about 2% of the world's GDP from 
when the empire was at its height, Queen Elizabeth's grandfather, King George V, was the reigning monarchy. Queen Victoria, who became the symbol for empire, was Queen Elizabeth's great-grandmother. We have to ask ourselves a question. Which thoughts, beliefs, and culture would allow someone to rule over an empire that enslaved innocent people and sharpened bamboo shoots into women's nipples when their husbands wouldn't pay their tax on time? This specific form of torture took place during the British Raj in India. The belief that another group of people is inferior has to become ingrained for the structure to remain. When I say the structure, I mean the class structure. Racism, you might argue, is an extension of the class structure. We can look into the work of David Livington Smith from the Institute, of the, uh, Institute for Cognitive Science and Evolutionary Psychology at the University of New England, as he explains why we need to believe people are inferior for us to gain genocide or to, to take genocidal or oppressive action. Often human consciousness or the conscious consciousness of a human, our belief about right and wrong has to be overcome for us to take aggressive action against foreign people or foreign ideas. A lot of the time this takes place in heavy propaganda towards the public and also towards ourselves. If we can convince ourselves or if we can convince the public that our people are inferior to us, then we can overcome our own ethical morals. A lot of the time this is if it is profitable to do so. So in history, we see countless times where Christians have had to convince themselves or Muslims have had to convince themselves or Jews or, or any religion. Um, and they've had to extensively put in a lot of work to convince themselves that a person or a people are inferior to them enable them to do bad things. We have to overcome the goodness in us to do so. The belief in Britain that those furthest from Englishness, whiteness, Christianness, etc., are wrong, inferior or ungodly was an essential part of British culture during empire and its relics still remain. It is why even in our strive for liberalism, we speak of tolerance rather than curiosity. How someone could tolerate something foreign but harmless and think that the person of that culture should be grateful for them doing so is quite strange to me. If I, for example, brought a dish to your dinner party and you tolerated the dish without even trying it, I would be quite confused and definitely offended. The royal family couldn't even tolerate a few children with learning disabilities and in doing so separated them in mental institutions. Considering this intolerance, once again, I find it hard to be shocked by the treatment of Meghan Markle. In 1941, George Orwell wrote, in the working class, patriotism is profound, but it is unconscious. The working man's heart does not leap when he sees a Union Jack. But the famous insularity and xenophobia of the English is far stronger in the working class than in the bourgeoisie. In all countries, the poor are more national than the rich, but the English working class are outstanding in their abhorrence of foreign habits. This is written by George Orwell in The Lion and the Unicorn on page 16. We can see how this intolerance may trickle down into the culture of the people and vice versa. It seems little has changed between now and 1941. Although families aren't being torched in their homes, and when I refer to this, I mean the new crossfires, the anti-foreign attitude still remains. Rhetoric, 
surrounding Meghan Markle. So once again, it is no surprise to me, knowing this cultural backdrop, that Meghan Markle has encountered such a difficult time of judgment, unfairness, and has been the victim of an illogical dislike of her. The common British attitude of, I don't know why I don't like X, I just don't, there's something about X, seems to be current. Her coverage is riddled with stereotypes and transferred aggression. When I say transferred aggression, I mean that people take a disliking to her first and then try to retrospectively justify why. And we see this in the coverage of her, for example, gifting the same flowers, but with a different headline, liking avocados, but there's a different headline in comparison to say, Kate Middleton. It seems that the media or people dislike her first and then try and justify why they dislike her. But in reality, that dislike comes from a deep cultural dislike of foreignness, in my opinion. Yes, the media are guilty of bias, aggression, unfairness, stereotyping, racism, etc. But my question would be, are the media a microphone which the British speak into or a microphone that instructs the British people? I would say probably a bit of both. I think that the British both lead and are led by the media to their own detriment. So once again, why are people surprised? Two things kept me from empathizing with people's shock. The first reason is I have admittedly, but unfortunately become desensitized to racism. Whether it's a good thing or a bad thing, racism is something that I have grown to observe without feeling. I see it, I experience it, but it doesn't rock me anymore. This may be because I'm on a pretty self-determined path, being self-employed, for example. I can control my own destiny. My friend, on the other hand, is employed. He's Nigerian. He has to walk a fine line on a regular basis. He has to constantly ask himself, what do you want more? Your job and your forward professional trajectory at the cost of your silence? Or do you want to speak up and risk it all? An unfortunate choice many people have to make on a day-to-day -day basis. Then again, I also thought that maybe because people didn't feel the racial and classist connotations, of the treatment of Meghan Markle, that it may have gone over their heads. I completely understand this. I am not a woman, and therefore I have had to, a lot to learn from women about their mistreatment. The only sin is if I recognize their mistreatment in the moment without changing how I conduct myself for the betterment of myself and obviously for my relationship with women, for example. However, one issue I have, or one concern I have, is that for one reason or another, the end product for many people is the grieving, i.e. the marching, the protests, the cancelling, the shouting, the screaming, the crying. I don't understand it. These are the catalysts for change. They are not change in themselves. It is the equivalent of cutting the head off of a hydra to turn around in celebration. and Before you know it, right behind you, the hydra has grown another head and is ready to attack you. Protests and self-expression are not an outcome or desired end product. I am concerned that people are so focused on express expressing their emotions that they have forgotten to demand their terms. Our terms are quite simple, equality. We need equality in the workplace, schools, hospitals, and ju the judicial system. 
British racism is exceptionally covert. It is really tangible. It is evasive and underlying. British bigotedness is evasive and underlying, masked by our love of etiquette, order and keeping face. That being the nature of the racism we experience, we cannot afford to be unspecific with our demands. That being said, fight for change, express yourselves, but remember that you are demanding at all times, remember what you are demanding at all times so that we are not lost in a constant fight to express ourselves rather than fighting to be heard. The 90 minute interview between Meghan, Harry and Oprah may create a neat microcosmic presentation of the issues within Britain, but it isn't a progressive outcome in itself. I would love to know your thoughts. So please respond to my article and leave and please subscribe to blackhistory.school. If you have any questions, I would love to have the uh, pleasure of answering them for you. Thank you so much for listening.